Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are really looking forward to our podcast today, Why Conviction Matters Though. You know, I don't know if you're living in the same world that we're living in, but it takes a great amount of grace and gumption to live this life. And so we are women of conviction, and we believe that conviction is one of the greatest characteristics that a person can have. And today we have a powerful story that we want to share with you about the Mirabal sisters who are from the Dominican Republic, and we are so excited to share this story. Are we not, Tiffany? So excited. I can't even deal. (laughs) So we wanted to read you this incredible biography of these women. I first heard about these women from my beautiful friend, Priscillis, who is from the Dominican Republic. And she started an incredible organization called We Are Full. And she is the one who told me about this particular story of these beautiful sisters. Um, We were doing a beautiful photo shoot for her t-shirts and her coffee mugs and all these different things that she was going to be putting on the website to sell for her organization. And she had Minerva on the t-shirt. And I'm like, wait, tell me more. I don't know anything about this woman. And this, there is a national holiday that the UN put together about these women and they are spectacular. Um, They're so often referred to as um, the women who toppled a dictatorship. (laughs) So I think it's really important for you to know that on the front end. And I think it's really encouraging for you listeners to know that these were just ordinary women living their life. And there was this opportunity and a time of intersection in history where they were able to hold to their convictions in such a way that it actually did topple a dictatorship. So we want to read you this. So the Dominican Republic of the 1950s was a totalitarian nightmare, obsessively controlled by cruel dictator Rafael Trujillo, a man for whom no slight was too small, no grudge too big. The nation's citizens quickly grew fearful of expressing any dissent. It was not until a group of sisters slapped Trujillo in the face, both literally and figuratively, that the nation finally found the courage to follow their example and oust the despot. These women were the Mirabal sisters, and they willingly gave their lives to end Trujillo's. The Mirabals were from a relatively well-to-do provincial family. The sisters, Minerva, Patria, Maria Teresa, and Didi, all went to Catholic boarding school, married good men, had children, went to church. In short, not obvious candidates for revolutionaries. <laughs> no, <laughs> they weren't. No, they were not. Mm-hmm. But Trujillo was a true monster, and he used a secret police and extensive spy network to keep the nation's eyes open and their mouths shut. He owned or directly controlled much of the country's most vital utilities, the radio, the mail, the press, the airlines, and the passport office. Those yeah. who spoke out against him often died in unexplained, brutal circumstances. However, it was Trujillo's vicious lust that pit him directly against the Mirabal. Throughout his reign, Trujillo employed scores of beauty scouts to scour the countryside for young girls, often very young, for him to romance, kidnap, and or rape. One such mission mission resulted in him forcing the Mirabals to come to one of his parties. Minerva soon realized that she was his target and politely turned down his entreaties. When he forced the issue, she slapped him in the face, gathered her family, and got the hell out of Dodge. Mm. Thereafter, Minerva struggled as Trujillo personally toyed with her life. Despite being a brilliant student upon starting her second year at law school, Minerva found she was barred from classes until she gave a public speech extolling Trujillo's virtues. When she graduated years later, summa cum laude, 
no less, the government denied her the license to practice law. Minerva's parents were not spared either. Shortly after Minerva first refused Trujillo's advances, her father was imprisoned. After a period of brutal treatment, he was released, only to die shortly thereafter. Sometime later, Minerva and her mother, on a visit to the capital of Santo Domingo, were kept as virtual prisoners in their hotel. Minerva learned that if she slept with Trujillo, they would be released, and she refused. Eventually, she and her mother escaped. Gradually, Trujillo's wrath also turned against her sisters, Patria, Maria Teresa, and their husbands into activists. Within the Mirabel family finances ruined by Trujillo's meddling and the family's every word being monitored, the entire Mirabal clan were primed for transformation. Don't worry if you're driving in your car right now, listener. That was just a New York siren that you just heard. <laughs> <laughs> the final push it all. All-out rebellion came after a failed attempt by exiled Dominicans to oust Trujillo. The Mirabals decided to continue the work. They distributed pamphlets, gathered materials for weapons, and even made makeshift bombs out of firecrackers around Minerva's kitchen table. Collectively, the three activist sisters became known by the codename Las Mariposas, the Butterflies. When their attempt to assassinate Trujillo at a 1960 cattle fair was exposed, the entire group was thrown in jail. But due to international pressure stemming from some of Trujillo's dumber moves, <laughs> mm-hmm. that makes me laugh from this writer, the women were quickly released. When Trujillo's political fortunes continued to worsen, despite all the male conspirators being imprisoned, he began to blame the Mirabal sisters for all of his problems, and so he ordered them killed. The assassination of the Mirabals was a clumsy, brutal affair. First, Trujillo transferred their jailed husbands to a remote jail that required travel across a mountain range. The three activist sisters knew this was a trap. Their friends begged them not to visit their husbands, but they did so anyways. And true enough, when they did, secret police ambushed their jeep in the mountain pass. And knowing their ends were at hand, Patria ran to a nearby truck, told the driver who, who they were and that they were about to get killed and to spread the word. The truck quickly sped off. The three activists, Mirabal sisters, were shortly killed thereafter. The secret police strangled and beat them, then put them into the back of the Jeep and threw it over a cliff to make it look like it was an accident, despite clear fingerprints all over the vehicle and the obvious trauma on the Mirabel's bodies. The Mirabel's deaths served as a catalyst for overflowing, overthrowing Trujillo. Six months later, military leaders assassinated him. Although many factors were at play in Trujillo's downfall, in the words of one historian, the cowardly killing of three beautiful women in such a manner had greater effect on Dominicans than most of Trujillo's other crimes. It did something to their machismo. They could never forgive Trujillo this crime. In the years following, the Mirabal sisters have become hollowed icons for the Dominican Republic. Didi, the sister who had not participated as actively and survived Trujillo's reign, raised her late sister's children, many of whom entered the government. Virtually all Dominican towns today bear some commemorative marker, school, or street bearing the names of the Mirabal sister. Their home province was even renamed Hermanas Mirabel, an ironic inversion of Trujillo's renaming the capital city Ciudad Trujillo, a name that did not stick. Gradually, their fame spread internationally. In 1994, novelist Julia Alvarez commemorated their story with her historical fiction novel, 
in the time of the butterflies, which is also a movie, by the way, which imagined much of the smaller details of their story that were lost to time. In 2001, the book was adapted into a movie, there it is, of the same name starring Selma Hayek. And on every November 25th, the date of their assassination, the world celebrates the UN-designated International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women in their honor. Oh, I'm in tears. (laughs) I know. It's the most powerful, compelling, moving story in history that I have heard in a very long time. I feel so honored to have learned about these women. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) There's so much to pull out of this, but I do. I like, let's start with their convictions. You you go right ahead. (laughs) Yeah. While Tiffany um, finishes her cry. I've had several cries on this when I first learned about them. So you were not alone in this. (laughs) But their conviction, I think about how easy it would have been for her being at that place with her mother, with her father in prison for Minerva, just to say, you know what, I'm just going to sleep with him. I'm going to get it over with. Like, let's just get it done because I don't want to deal with his wrath. But she held to her convictions, her love for her husband, her love for her family and her love and passion for freedom to be able to live in her home without threat of violence against women. That is such conviction. And it reminds me of so many Bible stories. I think about Esther and -hmm. just how, you know, the king went about the land scouring for for young virgins. And then I think about Daniel with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, his his dear friends and these young teenagers who made a decision. You know what? I can eat at the king's table, but I'm not going to. I'm to resist the richest of foods because I want to honor God in my life and what I've been taught by my elders. And so I think about conviction and what that really means. And you don't know what those ordinary decisions are going to produce in history. And ultimately, these beautiful women lost their life due to their convictions. But at the same time, look what they did. They brought freedom to a nation. Ah, And I mean, just to, I just can't even imagine the cultural culture of violence that they endured. And I mean, we even said it at the beginning. These gals were mamas. These gals were mamas. Mm-hmm. They they had husbands that mm-hmm. they loved and who believed in what they were fighting for. And to see that they were willing to sacrifice it all and not bend on what they knew was right and yes. what they knew was true and that this wasn't okay. It's just crazy. It is. I always wonder, like, what kind of courage I would really have. You know, in those yeah. ordinary moments, I'm like, God, am I living with the kind of conviction that if this moment really counts a year from now, God, am I living with the kind of courage that's required to move power and to make change? You know, yeah. is that my life? And these stories inspire me toward that end. You know, they encourage yeah. me that these ordinary small decisions to live the way that you know is right can actually end up making a huge difference. The ones that nobody sees, you know, we hear of their story when they're older, but these girls growing up had a very healthy sense of self, obviously. And they all got married and had babies and their parents were still together. Like they had, they had this vision of what they wanted their lives to look like. And they Mm -hmm. walked in that vision. They walked in that conviction and to just to see them rally such virtue yeah in the face of such evil mm-hmm. is outstanding truly outstanding mm-hmm. and the level of integrity which you know you're obviously you're saying that without saying it i feel um but integrity it's like i'm just gonna do what i know to do no matter who's watching and i'm gonna yeah. do it because it's the right thing to do um yeah and obviously their faith probably played a huge part in this you know they went to catholic yeah. schools and just thinking about um you know, what, what little I know about Dominican Republic, I could not do it the justice that many of my beautiful friends could do. But I do know that that, that sense of faith is a huge part of history. 
And so I think like faith guides our convictions and we know what's, what's the right thing. And just to commit to one person forever <laughs> to be like, no, yeah. this, this is where my body belongs with my husband yeah. and in a loving way, not in a way that, you know, feels abusive, but in a way that's like, no, my honor is to my husband. And I will not give myself yeah. no matter who has the power, no matter how powerful they are, I will not give myself to another man. Yeah. I feel like and sometimes we want to get divorced because like we have five arguments in one week, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that happens. Yeah. So often they were under some pressure. Yes. Pressure. Seriously. When, you know, when you Katie. hear this story, they didn't go looking for trouble. They didn't ask That's for this. Right. And I think sometimes we feel like, oh, our convictions come into play when we're going after something. This came to them. Come on. They were picked. They were plucked out of their homes yes. to be pursued by this evil man. And they were put in this situation against their will. And they still held to their convictions. I think mm-hmm. some of us feel like, oh, you know, people who are just wanting to go start a revolution, they just want to go do right. something big. They're going after it. Oh, yes. I can tell you right now yeah. that sometimes these things find you and you summon strength that you didn't know you had. That's exactly right. You you become a version of yourself that's demanded for the time. And it's not something mm-hmm. that you would have ever wanted, but it's something mm. that you have to face because this is your life. Mm, girl, a version of yourself. Say that again. A version of yourself that is I required that, because of the time. That yeah. is like so powerful. And as Man. much as we would want to take the easy road, I think that hard times require so much of us that we, d- again, we didn't even know we had it in us. Right. But it comes to the forefront because if it doesn't, it'll be our demise. That's the exactly situation right. will swallow us whole. Yes. And in this case, an evil dictator will swallow us whole. That's exactly right. It's incredible. What are those so, moments in your life? Go, no, go. Can, go yeah, go. just one more thing about this, this story that's just, again, I know I'm deeply moved and having trouble gathering myself. I however. love it. I love it. <laughs> however, um, just to, when you hear this story, I mean, I'm just so deeply moved, but this dictator didn't win. Correct. He didn't win in no, this. No. He didn't win. Truth yeah. and light and goodness and yeah. and justice won. Yes. You know, um, a couple days ago, I got to go to a uh, very intimate um, gathering. I don't even want to call it a conference. More of a seminar with Brian Zahn, the pastor from St. Joseph, Missouri, and he's written several books. One yeah. of his, my personal favorite, is "Sinners in the Hand of a Loving God," and he's totally woke on Twitter. You got to go check him out. But one of the things he said um, that really stuck with me is that this idea of righteousness and justice, we have, we act like righteousness is it's, it's this different word, but really righteousness um, means justice. That's right. We have yes. turned it into this word that is uh, where we feel right, mm-hmm. <laughs> where our convictions yep. are at play, but really it's, it's a, it's more of a universal word and it's justice. Yes. The justice of God, the righteousness of God, the justice of God. Yes. So when we think of various passages where we have um, construed righteousness and given a modern new Western definition, we mustn't, we must sit that aside and insert the word justice and what we understand yes. that to mean in this culture, in this time. And we very much divorced the Western and the Eastern definition. But if we yeah. could see this view of justice, how it went forward, yes. uh, even although these women lost their lives um, and they didn't get to raise their babies, they didn't right. get to, you know, be with their husbands and live all yeah. of their days together. They Again, they didn't ask for this. This happened, but yeah. justice, justice came forward. Yes, which is so powerful. And, you know, thinking about that, that the dictator didn't win. You know, these women... 
this conviction, this level of passion, this level of gusto and gumption and just running for truth. It is the thing that ultimately turned the people's hearts. Like their death is the thing that finally made the people say enough. Even though this yeah. dictator had been killing people and raping people and kidnapping people and exploiting people and being greedy and taking resources for himself, it was the death of these three women that finally made a nation say enough. And even within his own cabinet, that is yeah. where the death actually came from. So you think about there, we all have those limits where it's like, no, no, this is just wrong. Everything about this is wrong. And ultimately their loss of life was, was such great gain for the people. And it's really powerful. And I love what you're sharing about justice and righteousness. I mean, you guys know I'm so passionate about this by now. But Walter Brueggemann always says that the number one problem in modern day Christianity is that we have divorced our love from God from our love of neighbor. And that's the number one problem is that we've started thinking about like, oh, my love for God and my personal salvation. And we've divorced that from love of neighbor. But God said, what is the greatest commandment? When he had to boil it all down, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself that is the two greatest commands yeah that's one sentence isn't it that's Ashley? right and that's not sums two up commands the whole it's thing. one correct yeah. they go hand in hand and so justice and righteousness always involves not just us but the greater good of humanity like that's god's heart that's his shalom that's his offering to us in the cross is hey i'm doing this so that together you guys will have this beautiful body that you can lean on that you can be with that you can pursue righteousness with yeah. We are so interdependent on one another. Ugh. And when we live out of our convictions, we realize that we are connected because how I live my life, the convictions I live by directly affect the people around me. They Correct. directly affect the people in my world and beyond. Yes. And so when we live with this conviction, this is not an isolated act. Come on. This is joining hands with other people. To think the things that I want, the things that I believe that people deserve. I I believe that I deserve it. I believe that everyone else deserves it too. Yes. I believe that too. It's necessary. It really, really is yeah. for people to live in freedom and not fear. That is what God has promised us. It's Absolutely. so powerful. Conviction is so costly, isn't it, Ashley? I oh just, my gosh, you don't so even know. So stinking costly. <laughs> the things that oh the things, gosh. listener, or oh. you, know, you might be invited to walk away from because of yeah. your convictions. Yes. The things that you might be invited to walk toward yes. because of your convictions. The yep. things that you feel like, oh, I can't say that because then they'll think I'm too political or yeah. too um, too left, too right, too this, too yeah. that, too uppity, too lowity, whatever yes. the case may be. Your convictions invite you to stand up and walk in the direction of justice, of righteousness, of truth, of wholeness, of healing. I I think when we live by our convictions, that's when when heaven comes to earth. That is the kingdom. That is the kingdom. Rooted in the life in the and in the death and resurrection of Jesus, if our convictions are rooted in that, and we're walking that out. I really do believe that's how we usher heaven to earth. That's how the Maribel sisters ushered heaven into earth. They really did. And there's something so humble about a true conviction. Like I think about Daniel, for example, in the Bible, or Esther in the Bible. Um, a true conviction doesn't alienate people, and it doesn't tell people, your way is wrong and my way is right. Like I don't believe that that's a true conviction. I believe when you live out of this place of conviction, then you're living out of a place of humility. And mm-hmm. that is really powerful because that says, I respect 
respect God in you. I respect the dignity yeah. that God created you with. I, I respect the fact that you are an inherent image of God standing in front of me, no matter what your beliefs are, no matter how different they are from me. Like you don't see it written that Daniel and his friends begin to shame the other teenagers who chose to eat at the table. They did not do that. Nope. Instead, they lived with convictions and they operated beautifully in the context that God had placed them. Was it ideal? No. Did they want to be slaves? No. But they decided to operate in the context with humility and conviction. And God gave yeah. them influence and he gave them authority and he gave them power. And so I think sometimes when we think about con convictions, especially if you are a person of faith, sometimes we do that in the sense of I'm right and you're wrong. But that is not what true conviction is. True conviction is standing in strength and humility saying, I don't have it all right. I'm not perfect. But you know what? This is what I believe. And I'm going to pursue justice and righteousness and goodness and grace toward that end. And I think that is really what changes things. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Hmm. So well said. Oh, I would say, listener, when you're thinking about your convictions, hmm. what, what are you convicted about that you've been yeah. silent about? Yeah, what are you convicted on. about that, that is demanding that you live differently? Demanding that you live, act differently. Because when we ignore those, yeah. when we ignore those convictions, they'll eventually become white noise. They, they really will. Yeah. But when you lean into them, I think, I think that's where life is waiting for you. Yeah. I think that's where calling is waiting for you. You know, I, in your night, in your in your teens and twenties, you're thinking, what do I, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to be? What am I going to do? Well, what are your convictions? Yeah. What are your convictions? Yeah. What are your convictions saying? What are they speaking? Because at the end of the day, it's not so much what you're going to do. It's how you're going to do it and the That's person it. you're going to be along the way. Yes. I think God is far more concerned of the person you're becoming and the convictions you hold yeah. than, than what you do and how you spend your hours. It's 100% accurate. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I've found that to be so true in my own life. Have you? Oh, so much so. So <laughs> yes. much so. I have achieved so much with the wrong motive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it really does take a step back to go, you know what, God, what are you really leading me to do? And what does this look like? And how can I do this with grace and conviction? <laughs> yes, with grace and conviction. Yeah. What great partners in crime, huh? Grace totally. and conviction. Perfect. Yes. When you walk those out with such grit, I think yeah. that's a beautiful, beautiful life. And you can apply that to any of your life in your work, um, friendships, parenting, yes. finances, uh, uh, at whatever activism that you play out in the yes. world. Because we all are activists in some way, shape, or yep, form. Whatever 100%. we're giving our money toward, whatever we're celebrating, whatever we're working toward. Um, thinking about that things holistically, grace and conviction, when those are at the table, I think good things can happen. Yes, sister. Mm, come girl. on what a great That's story so good. i oh, love today beautiful <laughs> and and i have a feeling for many of us this is the first time we've heard of the maribel yeah. sisters so what a beautiful story to celebrate and i i would encourage you even i know something that i'm going to do as as i walk away from this is i would mark down november 25th on your calendar right come now on, put it yes. in your iCal, whatever yep. calendar you may use to stop and celebrate um, their lives and to pray for the people of the dominican republic for justice and for truth yes I love it. And in yes, the yes. show notes today, guys, we'll put a link to the documentary. We'll put a link to some of the article that I read because we oh, want yes, you guys to yes, have yes. all the information you need to celebrate these beautiful women and to think about how conviction can play out in your own life. We love you, listener. Mm. It is so our honor to journey with you week after week. And we hope you feel celebrated in your convictions today. Yes, yes, yes. Bless have a great you. week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Hey listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com.
To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.